welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And um, I just thought tonight would be um, a good opportunity, just based on some of the conversations I've had with women over the last couple of weeks, and I thought tonight I wanted to speak on the subject of fear, which is again why we did, you know, What's it called? What's in your trunk? Shake your tail feather because just to try and break some of that off, that's the whole point of that being serious. And what I want you to know is fear is actually common. Sometimes we just think, well, I'm the only one who has fears or has concerns and you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't be surprised tonight to think that, you know what, fear is very, very common in our society and it comes in all sorts of shapes and all sorts of forms. I mean, There's fear of heights. There's fear of spiders. People are afraid of mice. I mean, we have built a new house and we have a pet. I always said I'd never have pets. We've got a pet. Do you know what it is? It's a mouse. And Stuart Little is going to be dead one day. (laughs) Now, they don't frighten me. They really, they don't concern me. But this thing, this thing has, he's just like, he's got the front of a shop. Like, unbelievable. I, I sit on my lounge and at about 8.30 every night, he comes running out of the study, runs across the um, wood and then heads for my fridge. And so I'm under there, I'm shoving, I, I don't know where it goes. I've bought seven different mouse traps, and he's still alive. In fact, we've tried everything. Now, in our old house, we had a mouse and we caught him first time. So, I mean, you know, we kind of experts at this, but I think this mouse is laughing at us. I mean, we put peanut butter. I'm sure, I want to set up one of those GoPros because I'm sure that mouse gets on that trap and <laughs> like, it, it's just not going off. And so then everyone's like, put bait down. I'm like, I don't want to put bait down. It will crawl somewhere. I know it'll crawl somewhere and it'll stink. I want to catch that thing and go, I got him. Anyway, some people are afraid of mine. Now let me, I'm very good at interrupting myself, but you've got to listen to this story. I was walking in my kitchen and this mouse, he came running out of the study and it's like slow-mo, so he's running. And he saw me and he decided, uh-oh, wrong move. And he tried to turn and as he turned, he lost his footing. He slid, right? And I mean, I was like watching it slow motion. I was like, oh. And then he got up, ran and he was gone. So it's like, this mouse is... Anyway, some people are scared of mice. I'm not scared of them. I just don't want him in my house. Some people are scared of sickness in terms of they've had family histories of sickness. They have fears that um, that could be part of them. They know their mum and then their mum's mum and then their mum's mum. It wasn't that long ago we've had the um, bombing in the Boston Marathon. People are scared of terrorism. They're scared to fly. There's all sorts of fears. People are scared to fail. You know, if, if I try something, the list goes on in what we have fears about. And what I want you to know is that fear has become, I believe, such a reality for some of us that we no longer use energy to try and deal with our fear. We use energy to just try and ignore it. And so I thought it would just be good tonight just to talk a little bit into that area because I think it's it's time we just stopped trying to avoid fear and started confronting fear. Now, I want you to know categorically it is okay to experience fear. I think especially what you have to understand if you're visiting here, this is um, a church context, 
most of us here have a personal relationship with God. We believe in God. And so a lot of what I'm going to share comes from that foundation. But I don't want you to turn off because I believe some of those truths are going to help you. And sometimes as Christians and as believers, we feel that if we are faced with fears, we're confronted with fear, we're uh, suffering fear, we can sometimes feel that well, that's not right, that's not how I, should, I, I shouldn't be. And what I want you to know is it's okay to fear fear, uh, to fear fear, to feel fear. What's not okay is when we allow that fear to control us. And that's what I want to speak into tonight. It's not a problem that you get scared of something. It's not a problem that some, to me, that's not a problem. And I don't know, and please don't um, judge my theology on this, I don't know if we ever get to the place where we are totally free of fear. I have a sense that if we're free of fear, then we've probably got to that place where we're never learning or growing or expanding. Because I think if you're always walking into new things, there'll always be that element of fear. This is something new, it's something different. And if I find myself at that place where I'm, there's nothing that frightens me or concerns me, then I feel that I've probably backed off and have got a little bit complacent and a little bit comfortable. I like to be in that area of, I think if I've got that healthy sense of fear, that I'm in an area of growth. So it's okay to feel, for, to feel fear. It's just not okay to be controlled by it. All right? And so um, we also have this misconception that, you know what? I won't do anything until I know I've dealt with my fear. But the problem is we won't deal with it so we'll, if, we, if, we, if we truly believe that, we'd never do anything, all right? And so I, I heard this expression a long, long time ago. I love it. And it was from Joyce Meyer. And she says, you know what? you just got to learn to do it afraid. So we're not talking about totally eradicating fear. We're just saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this fear control me. And I believe if we put some things in practice and if we do some things, we can overcome that. So we'll probably find that that's less fearful to us. We could get to a place where that particular area holds no fear for me, but we'll at least be better off in that. And I don't know if any of you have seen that new program, Celebrity Splash. I mean, does that not really, that just made, I think that's ridiculous in the beginning. I thought, what celebrity would go, yeah, I'll put on a bikini and jump from a high tower? I was like, Really? And then they were on Sunrise the other day and they were showing all their injuries and bruises. I was like, you guys are insane. But, you know, when we Tony and I watched it. And here's a little secret. If you're going to watch shows like that, any reality show, you've got to tape it because you can just fall. Because they replay the same thing 27 million times. And we've got um, The Voice and all those down to 20 minutes. They're an hour and a half show. We can watch them in 20 minutes. So there's a little time-saving tip for you. But anyway... Celebrity splash. I was amazed at how many of those celebrities said they were afraid of heights. So I was like, well, then why did you do it? Here's why they did it. Because they're confronting their fears. And so I just thought, you know, if they took that approach that, well, I'll wait till I'm over my fear before I say yes to jumping off of a 10-metre platform, then they wouldn't have done it. And so that's what I want to be able to talk about tonight. Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid, but do it anyway. And this is what you've got to understand. And this is what you've got to know. The Bible says... Fear not. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say tremble not. It doesn't say shake not. It doesn't say sweat not. It doesn't say puke not. (laughs) Whatever you think of in fear, the Bible doesn't say that. It just says fear not. So I love Joyce's saying when she says do it, but do it afraid. Do it afraid, do it anyway. All right, so courage, this is what I've discovered, is courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing 
what I need to do in the face of my fear, all right? Someone once said that fear as an acronym simply stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real, which means to me that there's evidence of that. So it's not like it's unfounded, your fear, but it's false evidence appearing real. And for those of you who may not know, we've got three children and our uh, middle son, Mitch, he was born... uh, 13 years ago, and when I was at the 18-week morphology scan, they did the ultrasound, and the doctor said to me, actually, Mrs. Rainbow, we need to talk. So I said, okay, here's the... Tony tells a different story. That's because I tell the detail. He just tells the... He had left me at the... That's probably why he doesn't tell this. He had left me at the ultrasound because we had an international friend arriving for ministry that weekend. And they were taking forever. So I said to him, go, just go, I'll catch a bus home. So I sent him off so that our guests wouldn't arrive home. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. They were taking forever. So in the end, I got dressed. I started walking out the hospital and they came chasing after me. Mrs Rainbow, Mrs Rainbow, we need to speak to you. And they sat me down and they said, actually, we have a concern. There's a problem with your ultrasound. And they said what they had discovered, that Mitchie didn't have any fingers on his left hand So they'd picked that up in the 18-week morphology scan. They said that the umbilical cord only had three strands, which isn't too much of a problem. uh, Three strands, two strands. Normal umbilical cord has three strands. They said two strands in a healthy pregnancy is okay, but if there's another symptom there, we've got big problems. And then they started to declare over us what they thought was going to be a reality for us, and then they just said, we actually want you to have a termination. I want you to stay, and we want to do it now. And I was just like... Whoa, whoa, you know. One, because of our faith and belief, that was never an option anyway. I had to fight the doctor to say, I'm not doing it. In the end, he relented and said to me, go home and then Monday morning, I want to see you back here with your husband. So anyway, we went back on the Monday, said, thank you very much, but no, thank you. And what I'll only, I tell you that story for two reasons. Um, four, eight, twelve, how, you're four months pregnant at 18, 20 weeks, all right? So five months of pregnancy, I have to go with the words over me being, we really hold not much hope. We suggest that you terminate. We suggest you're being irresponsible. We want you to know that. So I had five months worth of pregnancy where I had evidence, false evidence appearing real. I had evidence. I'd seen the ultrasound. They could point it out to me. They could show me. But you know what? Fear, I just wouldn't give in to that fear. I just went, you know what? You're right. You've got evidence that there is something wrong. I can see that. But I'm just not going to live and limit myself or be controlled by that. I've come to the decision that no matter what happens with this pregnancy, God, you're in control and you can help me through this. And if what you're declaring is true, because what they were saying was he's not going to survive, so why go through, you know. And we just went, you know what, well, if he doesn't survive, we have this baby, whatever. That's not my place. And I spent the next five months completely honest with you. I didn't give it a second thought. I said, God, you're in control. I will not. But false evidence appearing real. There was evidence there. And so for your fear, I'm sure for many of us, there's enough evidence there that it appears real. What we've got to remember is it's false evidence appearing real. And so I just want to quickly spend a little bit of time just sharing some keys that I believe will help you in terms of you overcoming and dealing better with your fear. All right. So for me, the first key when we're talking about 
how can we better deal with fear is we've just got to acknowledge it. What I've discovered is our heart is deceitfully wicked. There's a script in the Bible that says the heart is deceitfully wicked. And we will just cover things up, dress things up, talk around them, not really get there. We'll just, we won't see it for what it really is. And I've got a saying that I say all the time, and you would have heard it many times. It says, if it quacks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, the chance is it's a duck. And when it comes to fear, you and I have got to get comfortable with saying, let's call the duck the duck. We're very good at saying, oh no, I didn't do that because we can justify anything. And like I said, because the heart is so deceitfully wicked, because the heart doesn't want to look at itself or whatever it's reasoning in there, we'll talk around things rather than, we are much better off saying, you know what, I am just dead afraid. There's power in our confession of, I'm afraid. Let's call it for what it is. I say all the time, when you go to a doctor, what does the doctor ask you when you walk in to the consultation? He asks you what you're here for. Then what does he do? He asks you to describe what? Your symptoms. Do you know why he asks you to describe your symptoms? It's not because he's nosy. It's not because he figures, well, you know what, I've got to fill 10 minutes so that I can charge you for this appointment. He asks for your symptoms because he wants to come up with a diagnosis. He cannot diagnose what he doesn't know. So he's asking or she is asking for your symptoms. And so we've got to get to that point. If you want to deal with your fear, you've just got to acknowledge it. It's no point calling it mumps if it's measles. It's no point calling it this if it's that. We've just got to say, you know what? I'm actually afraid of this because healing comes and we can move forward when we acknowledge it. So we're talking about how do we deal with fear? We've just got to acknowledge it. If it quacks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. (laughs) I love that saying and I use it all the time and to my detriment, my husband quoted it to me only this week. Something went down and I was very quick to justify my stance, my position, why I did what I did, or in this case, why I didn't do what I should have done. And he just turned around and he said to me, what do you always say? If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck. And I said, it's a chicken. And he goes, that's exactly it. He said, you're chicken. He said, you are afraid and blah. And I was just like, I'm talking on fear. I hate that. So if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. All right. So the first key on better dealing with fear is we've got to acknowledge it. Speak it out. Write it out. Just call it for what it is because once you call it for what it is, then we can bring healing and we can we know what to do with it. So I'm trying not to, we've got a doctor in the room and I'm trying not to refer to her. But the truth is, you know what? They can treat us when they know what it is. You, if you don't call it fear and you call it something else, then how do we get to that root issue of this is what it is? It's fear here. Let's call it that. Let's work on that. Okay, so we acknowledge it. The second thing we need to do is we've got to watch our thought life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks, or you can put woman in there, within himself or herself, so is he or she. As we think, so we are. What we think affects what we do. Our thoughts, and this is very, very scary, especially for women, our thoughts design our future. Our thoughts, we think um, we're not creative. We are very creative. You might not be Beck creative like I'm not, but we are creative. We create our future up here. What we think about determines 
what we do. What we think about determines what we act on. You know what? If you spend your life saying you're useless, I'm no good, nobody likes me, you'll start living in such a way that that's a reality for you. Not because you are, but because that's what you project. So people say, people aren't friendly, but they sit there and they're like this and they won't look at anyone and they don't get involved and then they say, see, people aren't friendly. It's like, you know what? Your thought process is what you've acted upon. Everything about you says you're not friendly, so most people are human and will back away. Again, I mentioned about family sickness. How many times when there's a history in my family, and I'm not denying that there's, that's worth looking into and getting it checked out, but how many people do you know there's a family history and before you know it, every little symptom, every little thing, well, it must be me. And we can talk ourselves into those sorts of things, all right? So what we think is important. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What we think about is powerful. Our youngest daughter, Bailey, is six and um, has always been great, goes to bed, um, half past seven, bedtime, not a problem, bedtime, sorry, off to bed. And about 12 months ago, she started in this, didn't want to sleep in the room by herself. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when a six-year-old comes to you and says, I don't want to, I want to sleep, I don't want to be by myself, and you're trying to justify what, and then they, they, this is what they throw at you. Well, you sleep with daddy. So, oh, it's true. I was, like, I was lost for words. I was like, what do I say now? Like, because yeah, I, I have someone in my room, but she, you know, she was like, I don't have to sleep by myself. You sleep with daddy. I was like, oh, quickly. <laughs> what do I say there? Anyway, side point. But Bailey went through a season where she didn't want to be in a room by herself. And so what we had to start to do is start to train her about how she thinks. So finding out what is going on in your head, what is thinking about. And she might wake up, she's had a nightmare, she might wake up, it's dark. And so we started to do things. That's, we took that scripture, whatever you think of. So it would be... Uh, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, sometimes your brain isn't working at that time of night and I just want to go back to bed. But I just kneel down next to the bed and I say, okay, Bailey, you had a nightmare about this, but just get a change of attention. Let's think of good things. What does the Bible say? So we'd go, what's a good thing? Mummy's a good thing, isn't she? She's a good thing. Let's think of mummy. And just start, you know, what? oh, donuts, donuts are good things. And I don't know why at two o'clock in the morning, everything's food related. Ice cream, redskins, all oh, Maltesers. It's like, hey, Bailey, let's get out of bed and go raid the pantry. <laughs> but just, that's what we used to do. We just sit by bed and say, start thinking of good things. Start thinking of good things. Taking away that negative aspect, watching what we think is what we think is what we act on. Whereas if I starting to delve into, well, what are you worried about? And then what happened in your nightmare? I don't care about your nightmare. Let's talk about the good things. What's the good things? Let's replace those things. If we can do it with a six-year-old, we need to start doing it in ourselves. We've got to remove negative influences. For some of us, that can be toxic relationships. There are things you know what's a negative influence in your life. If you're wanting to overcome fear, then you've got to start thinking, right? And you might have to make some adjustments with those you hang around, things you watch, things you read. I mean, we've got three kids, all different. And I remember probably about three or four years ago when a lot of those action movies were in. And um, sorry, George, I'm going to embarrass you. <laughs> I forget she's here now. So I was like, oh, now she's here. Everyone's going, I oh, know who we're talking about. So yeah, I'm talking about Jordan, all right? <laughs> but Mitchie is 13, Jordan's 15. And when a lot of those action movies came in, they, they'd say M because of all the 
action, the kapow, whatever. I could take Mitchie to some of those films, but I couldn't take Geordie because they're wired differently. See, Jordan, I remember it was, um, what's the one? Flame on, whoever he is. Um, Fantastic Four, thank you. I was going to say, you know, the sexy suit. That guy. That's <laughs> how I remember. Anyway, the lycra suit. Flame on. He used to, he used to, fl- he used to light up. Geordie couldn't watch it. I mean, the kindy rang me when they did the safety um, video at kindy for fire. She had nightmares for two weeks after the safety, just wired differently. So again, some of us have to take stock and go, actually, how am I wired? How am I thinking? So I could take Mitchie to see um, Fantastic Four. I couldn't take Jordan. And yet Geordie was older, but I just knew how they were wired and how they were. So sometimes what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're feeding, remember what we're thinking is what we act on. So you have to just do an assessment of your life and go, actually, you know what? What That relationship to me, it's not helpful. I'm not saying they're a bad person. I'm just saying where they're at, where I'm at, what I'm struggling with, I need to monitor that. So monitor your toxic relationships, monitor the programs, habits, things that you're doing. Don't expose yourself to things that feed fear. That's what I was doing for Geordie. So actually, you know what, babes? That film, no. I've seen that. I'm a bit concerned about that. No, that film, no. Peter Pan. Remember Peter Pan and the ship? We're in the cinema and this big ship. So it's just a ship. But because she was a six-year-old and this big ship, that was it. Like, there were ships were flying. and So again, just know yourself. Don't expose yourself. Don't expose yourself. Let mum do it for you. <laughs> just thinking of it. Anyway, on your jaws. 2 Corinthians 10, 35 says, We demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So acknowledge it. Watch your thought life. What about this one? Speak positively to yourself. You know the saying that, you know, if you talk to yourself, you're nuts? I, I don't agree with that. I talk to myself all the time. And do you know what? You do too. You do. You might not realise it, but you talk to yourself all the time. Oh, I hate the way I look in that. Oh, I like this. We talk to ourselves all the time. So I'm saying, you know what? Let's not fight it. Let's just be smart about it. Let's talk positively. Talk positively about yourself. So actually, you know what? This, not that, all right? So we're talking about speak positive to yourself. You know what? You need to say what God says about you. If we're talking about fear and I'm concerned about this, you need to speak about what God says about you or about your circumstance. If it's a circumstance that you're um, struggling with, a fear of a circumstance, speak about what God is saying. So I speak to myself all the time. You know what? The Bible says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what... That five months with Mitchie, I just said, God, your word says you knit him together in his mother's womb. He is fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know what that means. I just know that that's what the scripture says. It says I said, so God, you're in control here. You've knit him together. Now, if you've knit him together without fingers, I don't know why. If you've knit him together with only this, I don't know why. If it's only, I don't know why. I'm just speaking positively. You've knit him together, which means if you've knit him together, you know what's going on. If you've knit him together, you're able to be able to work through this. Speak over yourself. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So when you're in, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure. God knows the plans he has. So when you're finding yourself in that place, like, God, you know the plans you have for me. God says he will not tempt me beyond what I can bear. When I find myself in that, I say, God, 
I right now do not feel I am coping with this situation, but your word says you will not put me in a situation which I cannot bear. So that means you think I can stand this. If I can stand this, then you and I together will go through this. Again, speak to yourself. We speak to ourselves all the time. The problem is most of us speak negatively and we're not even aware of it. I'm saying, you know what? Work it, girlfriend, but just speak positive. Speak positively to yourself. One of the scriptures we always used to say to BJ, and Geordie can confer, we would have said it to them too, is 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. So at the time I'm kneeling by Bailey's bed and we're talking about lollies and ice cream and all the good things and Ferris wheels and whatever doesn't freak her out. It's like God did not give us a spirit of fear, Bailey. You don't have, he didn't give this to you, but he's given you love. He's given you power. He's given you a sound mind. You can overcome. Speak to yourself. Number four, four, is keep up your spiritual disciplines. You know what? You can't say over yourself what God says about you if you don't know what God says about you. So uh, like God said, you know, whatever he said. Like, no, you've got to keep up your spiritual disciplines. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith, which is the antidote to fear, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. We've got to be women who read our Word. We've got to be women who say, you know what, I'm just going to make it a daily discipline to read my Bible. You can read your Bible and everything jumps off the page. You can read your Bible and not understand a thing. But I believe it's just like when you go to the bank and you make that deposit. $5 here, $5 there. You know those savings, I don't know if they still do them, but when I was younger, you used to get little coupons and you for Christmas savers and you'd start um, 12 months out and you'd save $5 and by the end time it came to go and buy your Christmas presents, it was a great way of saving money. Faith is like that, reading your word. You just keep depositing, you just keep depositing, you just keep depositing and then bam, something happens and then out of you comes this rich deposit. But it can't come out if it never went in. If I had one of those little saver things and I never actually cash the coupons in with the money I can go to the bank all I like but they're not going to give me anything if there's nothing to draw from and that's what we need to do we're talking about how do you overcome your fear is you know what keep up your spiritual disciplines feed yourself so that when times come there's something in there for you to draw from you do it through reading your word you do it through praying for those of you who don't know God praying is just talking to God like I'm talking to you now like you talk to your girlfriend over your coffee out there he's talking to God saying God the creator this is what my concern is this is where I'm worried this is what's going on in my life help me being honest we said acknowledge it this is what's happening this is how I'm feeling all right so pray immerse yourself with God's people that's why we push church connect groups and nights like this because I've just discovered I cannot do life alone. I'm pretty good, but I'm not that good. And you're pretty good, but you know what? You're not that good. And immersing yourself in good, godly people is the way we overcome fear. It's about keeping up spiritual discipline. So I've got something to draw from. So when I come into Sigwo and I've just had one of those weeks, everything's gone wrong, nothing's working out, I can come here and know that there's a girlfriend who's got my back. Sometimes she'll say something. Sometimes just the fact you'll share a cup of tea with me is all we need. We don't have to always have. It's great that someone can come and pray for us. It's great that someone can hug us. But sometimes it's just the fact that you're there. And that's what we need to do is don't give up your spiritual disciplines. Immerse yourself with God's people. 
Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's no better place than just spending time with God and his people for us to feed our faith. And it's our faith, there's just a well-known, I suppose, Father's saying where it says, when fear knocks on the door, it's faith that answers. And that faith comes, as we said before, by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Immerse yourself in your spiritual disciplines. Number five, which remember we're talking about how do we deal with fear? How do we better congregate? Put yourself in a position that you face your fear. That's what I like about this celebrity splash. They could have said no, but they just thought, you know what? I just got to do it. So I'm just going to put myself in a position where I'm going to spring off a diving board or jump off a tower. And they're not, this is what blows my mind. They're not only just doing it, they're doing it in front of an audience and a live TV audience of how many people. I mean, talk about putting yourself in a position to face it. If you're trying to deal with something, put yourself in the position where you can confront it head on. Don't use your energy trying to avoid it. Use your energy trying to overcome it, putting these things into practice. Like we said, Joyce Meyer saying, do it, do it afraid, but do it anyway. Small steps. I'm not talking about being insane and just doing something ridiculous, but small steps. Just do little small steps because as you take a small step and you get a victory, your confidence builds. Say, oh, I can do that. Killed my first spider. Cool. Can go for the next one. No, I won't. Oh, I was going to interrupt myself. Doesn't matter. Your confidence builds. And here's a little key when we're talking about putting yourself in the position is celebrate the victories. Just those little victories. You know what? Reward. Just celebrate the fact. Woohoo! Conquered my fear. Did the roller coaster. Whatever it is. You know, did this, did that. Just the little, the little steps. Celebrate it. Because when you celebrate it, it's like rewarding yourself. It again puts something in the bank so you've got something to draw from the next time you're faced with it. So put yourself in the position to face it. And then finally, persevere. you just got to keep doing it. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that, you're testing, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I can't guarantee that, hey, bam, first time finished. But I can guarantee if you continue, if you persevere, breakthrough will come for you. I can't guarantee the form of what that is. This is what we've always said to Mitch. So for those of you who don't know, Mitch was born, absolutely no fingers on his left hand, but no other issues, nothing. I don't know whether doctors got it wrong. I don't know whether God came and healed him. I don't care. I just know God said he knit him together. He is fearfully and wonderfully made and we celebrate that all the time. I forgot why I was going to say that. Keep doing, keep going, Mitch. I can't guarantee what the outcome is for you. That's why I was saying this is what we tell Mitch. What do we tell Mitch other than Mitch, pick up your dirty dogs, put the dishes in the sink. Uh, What do we tell Mitch? Geordie, what does mummy tell Mitch? I don't know, Mitch, why you were born that way. I I don't know why. And I don't know whether God will ever come along and touch your hand so that it becomes normal. But this is what I do know, that God has equipped you to overcome 
what's going on. God has equipped you that you can live this life and be a testimony to his goodness and what it means to overcome. That's why I was saying it. So that it, I don't know. I believe absolutely that God can touch him and that hand can be restored. We've seen all sorts of miracles here. We've seen all sorts of things. God has come. And we've seen on the other hand, we've seen some of our dear friends run their race and they go to be with Jesus. We've seen people healed and we've seen people pass away. I don't know why this happens or why that doesn't happen. I just know that if you persevere, God will receive glory. And we've seen people in their death bring glory to God and we've seen people in their healing bring glory to God. And that's all I say to Mitch is, you know what, Mitch, you persevere. I don't know why it's this. I don't know why it's that. But I do know that you can bring glory to God in how you live your life. And so I can't guarantee, I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what your struggle is. I do know you can spend energy, countless energy, in either avoiding it becoming reclusive, letting it control you, or you can use that same energy to be able to overcome and be a better person through it. Does that mean you'll totally eradicate? I don't know. It may be in that area, but it'll be, I don't know. But what I do know is it doesn't have to master you. And so fear does not have to master us. We can do it, but we do it afraid. And remember, it's not puke not, it's not shake not, it's not sweat not, it's not whatever you conjure up when you think of fear. It is just fear not. Do not let the fear of whatever it is that's got its grasp on you, don't let it rob you. The Scripture says that God has a plan for you. He's got a purpose, a destiny for you. And we will not fulfil that if we are women who are just held back by whatever that fear is for you. And I just thought it would be great if we could just tonight make a declaration and a stand that, you know what, whatever that is for you, could be little, could be massive. And I don't want to bring, um, I don't want to belittle anybody's fear because there's a whole generic range in there. I just know that it's common to all of us. And for whatever it is for you, the same God that can bring deliverance here, can bring deliverance here, can bring deliverance here, can bring deliverance here. So he's available to each and every one of us. So whatever it is for you, it's real for you. And God's saying, I want to meet that. And so I just thought it would be great tonight if we could just make a declaration and a stand that, you know what, I want to work on that thing which is holding me back, however big or however small. And I'm trusting that those keys that I've given you, you'll be able to take away and just, oh, that's right, I've got to, this is what this is. This is what that is. Okay, this is fear. I'm dressing it up as this, but this is fear. I know what this is. I'm just thinking about it wrong. I know what I'm doing. I'm speaking about it wrong. I know what I'm doing. I've just given up. trying. Whatever the key is for you, I'm trusting they'll help. But I just thought it would be great if you would join me. I just want to pray for you. I just want to be able to say, you know what? There's no magic formula. This is us walking it out. But I just want you to know that we're in it together. Whatever your fear is, it doesn't matter what the girlfriend's next to you, just know that there's something she's dealing with. Look at the girlfriend next to you just for a second. She's beautiful. I know. Look at the one on the other side. She's gorgeous. But you know what? You look at her and think it's all right for her. I know you do. You look at her and go, yeah, but you don't understand. It's all right for her. You know what? You're absolutely right. It's all right for her. But you know what? It's all right for you too. And that's what I want you to leave with tonight. You know what? Whatever that area is for me, for our young guys who, you know, fear of the future and what's happening and what am I going to do with my life and what course do I have to take, whatever. For you who are maybe struggling in your sickness, or for you who are worried about your kids, for you who's worried about your financial security, for you who's worried about your marriage or your relationships now, whatever it is for you, it'll be all right for you. 
I can't guarantee. I don't know what the outcome will be. I do know that God is for you, that he has a future for you, and he will help you overcome. Don't let that fear control you. Recognise that, you know what this is? This is fear, and I want to be able to take captive that fear and move forward. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.